Welcome to the Bright and Wise Podcast. I'm Leslie Ferry, your host and founder of Brise, an app designed to empower individuals and ignite their career success. On our podcast, I explore topics we all face in today's work environment, offer practical guidance on how to get through, and talk with exceptional people who share how they got to where they are today and where they want to go next. Keep listening to hear how you can become bright and wise. We're hearing a lot about a new trend at work, quiet quitting. And if you're not up to date on the latest viral trend, quiet quitting, it's not about leaving a job, but it's a process of starting to do the minimum amount of work possible while keeping your job. And now, as listeners know, and in the spirit of full transparency, I'm the founder of an of uh, an app designed to help individuals develop the skills that lead to accomplishing career goals, success, and happiness. And we do that by helping to lower to lower and ideally eliminate unnecessary work related stress and anxiety. So, given our mission, we have a view that we can take control of our careers and be in the driver's seat. So when we uh, experience disappointment at work, we at Rise believe we can leverage that disappointment as a motivator. Uh, And so after you acknowledge the disappointment and reflect on how maybe we individually contributed to it, we like to encourage people to focus their energy on how to avoid that disappointment in the future. So when we hear some individuals are going to practice quiet quitting as a form of silent protest, it gives us reason to pause and wonder about possible long-term implications. Some of the reasons for adopting this practice of quiet quitting at work is in protest. The protest reasons uh, are stated in ways like, I'm not getting paid anymore, so why should I do more? Anyway, No one will recognize my lower productivity, and I'm not really concerned about getting fired. Or they don't want to be part of the above and beyond or hustle culture. To, I got passed over for a project or promotion that I deserved. So like many human-related topics, this one's a little complicated and can have long-term negative consequences if we don't carefully consider why we might opt to to take this approach at work. So on the topic of hustle culture, eliminating that idea is good for both workers and employers. You know, there's endless research out there that's proven the benefits of taking time off and recharging on work productivity. And businesses are taking steps to improve these areas. They're, They're starting to encourage their employees to take breaks during the day, like go for a walk, definitely take lunch, don't eat lunch at your desk. Uh, to using their vacation time during the year. And managers recognize that they need to lead by example. So they're no longer responding to emails during late night hours or while they're on vacation so that they can demonstrate it is acceptable to completely disconnect from work and recharge. They're they're helping their employees to put work into perspective. Um, but you know, businesses they they do need to continue to innovate and deliver favorable financial result, results. So, even though companies are improving in these areas, they they are still working. Some are still working to find the balance. But but in in this conversation, I want to focus our attention on the employee and the potential impacts of 
deciding to practice quiet quitting. So back to that, uh, to the frustrations of, I'm not getting paid more, so why should I do more? Anyway, no one will recognize my lower productivity, and I'm not concerned about getting fired. Well, first of all, someone always notices low productivity. So if you are already performing the just well enough to get by behavior, your behavior won't change, and nor will your productivity level. But that doesn't mean no one hasn't already noticed your approach to work. Your manager or someone else in the organization has most likely likely recognized that your do the bare minimum work approach. And although low unemployment workers give workers the feeling that their employers believe a body in a seat is better than nobody, that sentiment or feeling or belief can change quickly. Just look at what's happened in the tech industry this year. When these employers made the hard decision, and it is always a hard decision, to lay off or let people go, they most likely started defining that impacted list of employees by evaluating their work quality and output. Their analysis didn't begin with a view of how many hours that employees work. They may have asked who goes above and beyond. And what is really meant by this question is, who can they depend on? Who jumps in when needed and delivers high-quality work? These employers were evaluating who adds value to the organization more than others. And, And value, it doesn't equal time. Like going above and beyond, it does, it it does mean delivering high quality output. So if you've decided to produce less, and that is a big behavior change, your manager or other leaders will notice this change. This recognition might lead your manager to assume that you've already checked out and are looking for a new job. This belief will cause them to turn to others when new uh, and more interesting projects or opportunities uh, come up at work. And they may look to others because they're concerned you may leave during a critical point of the project. So you'll need to consider how you might react to a lack of new, available, exciting opportunities. On the topic of pay increases, employers, just like employees, always ask, what have you done for me lately? Whether consciously or or subconsciously, when they are considering employee raises. So with a limited budget, those who produce high quality work may get more significant increase than those who do the minimum to get by. But most importantly, compensation comes in many forms. It's not always money. You need to decide if money is your top motivation. And if you uh, aspire to do more exciting work or achieve a greater purpose at work or personally, get a promotion or potentially lead others, you'll need to acquire new skills to accomplish these goals. And taking on new responsibilities or tasks lead to the development of these skills. Here's a personal example of what I mean. I had settled into a great job. I was tackling high-volume customer acquisition challenges, learning how to effectively transition my company's advertising efforts to this new thing called digital marketing. And yes, at the time, it was a new thing. 
it was very early days with a focus on search engine optimization or driving traffic to, to your website. Social media was not widely known. As a matter of fact, as uh, a frame of reference, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, was only 20 years old and he had just officially launched Facebook from his dorm room. And so I was plugging plugging along again, really very happy with my job. I was working for a company that uh, made over $200 million a year. I was gaining increasing responsibilities, leading a bigger team. And financially, personally, I was making the highest salary and bonus I ever had in my career. So all was very good. Then one day, a former boss called me. He was the founder of Career Builder, uh, and I had worked for him, and he had started a new company. He had solidified his idea well enough to hire, uh, I think, about five software developers to begin building his this new idea. And he was ready to hire a product manager and marketer to define his go-to-market strategies. And he offered me a job. Now, here are some of the factors that I needed to weigh when I was deciding to change jobs or not. Financially, I would need to take an almost 50% pay cut. You heard right, nearly 50%. Cutting my salary in half, leading others. I would initially return to being an an individual contributor. I needed to weigh how my future bosses or employers might, might view my decision. They may possibly consider it a step back and wonder why. That also meant some of my daily work would involve what some of us might describe as entry-level tasks. Very few, certainly initially, if any, honestly, of my responsibilities were going to be glamorous, and I'd have no one to help me. But believe it or not, these were not my most significant considerations. What weighed the most on my decision was the answer to the question, What will I gain by making this move and taking on this new experience? My former and potential boss, again, had raised venture capital funding for his new company. Uh, So that meant we had a board to hold us accountable and they would need updates monthly. I would be part of that monthly update, presenting results and getting strategic feedback on how to best move this new company forward. Some might say I would have a seat at the table. Uh, I would also learn how to build a marketing function and team from scratch. I had inherited teams before, and I I was very accustomed to defining the positions needed and defending any budget requests for them. But still, I, I had not experienced such a young company growth, which is very different. Then I knew the work style of the individual I'd be working for. I knew he would give me the space to explore opportunities and own my responsibilities. I would be responsible for setting the strategies, knowing the purpose, determining the goals, and then I knew he would allow me to go achieve them. He was uh, a known entity to me, if you will. So that was a bonus. He was also leveraging new technology to build this company. So although I am far from a technologist, I would get exposure to how these new digital products can transform an industry by leveraging emerging technologies, which is something I have always loved doing in my career. So I believed in his mission and I would have the chance to build a company beside a serial entrepreneur in the trenches with him every day. The new skills and experiences I would gain 
from this job, they, they were priceless. And it felt at the time, this experience would lead me to almost endless, probably unimaginable possibilities in the future. I could really define the type of job I probably wanted. And it also helped me to gain the courage and confidence to start my own business. I took the job. Now, some people might have characterized this new company's uh, work environment as hustle culture. I mean, we were a scrappy startup after all, but I didn't feel that way. Even when I needed to convince my husband and two sisters that stuffing envelopes in our family room on a Saturday night would be fun. I had uh, I had developed this direct mail campaign that needed to get in the mail the following Monday to meet some deadlines. And uh, believe it or not, we did have fun. We laughed and told stories and got caught up on what was going on in each other's lives. So it didn't really feel like work. And I knew that spending this extra time over the weekend would pay off. And it did. But there was another great unexpected lesson from this experience. And, and that was learning how to balance my work with my personal responsibilities. So it, in this example, I, I met my deadline without uh, having a budget to automate stuffing 500 invitations. And my family helped me get them in the mail that Monday morning. And then I spent time during the traditional nine to five work hours later that week, going to the grocery store dropping off and picking up dry cleaning and cleaning the house. I had met my boss's expectations on the campaign, so I knew I could take care of some personal things without him worrying about or questioning what I was doing during that time. We had a very strong working relationship and understood each other, and that was invaluable. So as you can imagine, I knew how to reframe what it means to go above and beyond. I focused on the goal and how I needed to go about accomplishing it at a high quality work output. So again, going above and beyond, it, it doesn't mean doing more things or working harder. When we look deeper, as we did above, this phrase is about delivering value to our organization. And adding value, it's about understanding expectations so we can do the right things at work, not just do things. That take more time. I recently had an in-depth conversation with leadership coach Pamela Coleman Davis on this topic, where we defined the value success formula for work on a recent series of uh, the Bright and Wise podcast. So I won't repeat all of that here, but you should go listen to it if you'd like to learn more. And you'll, you'll learn how to focus on the right things to drive value that hopefully won't lead to extensive long hours, greater career happiness and success. If you find our podcast interesting, please leave us a rating and review so others can benefit too. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.